Daniel 4 is where we'll be for a few minutes this morning. Now we talked about it in class actually, and it's hard not to talk about it when you're studying 1 Corinthians. Um, but pride is an issue that we all have to fight against. And I think it was even said in class, we have to fight it constantly, each one of us, on different levels. Um, it's easy to see pride in someone else, supposedly. I mean, you're imputing motive to them, I think, if you do that. But um, the better we are at seeing it in someone else, the harder it is to see it in ourselves. I mean, that's, that's one of those, I'm not even going to call it a skill, really. It's one of those things that just doesn't work the same. Um, we pride ourselves or think of ourselves as really able to see, oh yeah, that person's very proud. Um, well, then the, the likelihood of being able to stand in front of the mirror and see that in ourselves is pretty minimal. We're not going to see it. Um, it's one of the interesting things about pride and humility. Um, the humble person doesn't even notice pride, I think. A truly humble person um, just notices another human being. Um, but I think sometimes the more proud we are of ourselves or something in our lives, uh, the easier we start to see pride in other people, even small amounts of pride, uh, we spot in other people. Um, you know, this morning I want to look at an example in Daniel 4 that's really... It's so far away from us that we really, hopefully, no one here even can identify uh, with this example of pride. But um, I think we'll bring it home when we, when we look at some New Testament passages. Daniel chapter 4 is just one of the things that absolutely fascinates me. It's apparently a letter written by Nebuchadnezzar to his nation, his people. He wrote it as I'm mean, what you would call an open letter these days. People write these into editorials and they just, it's an open letter. Right? He just wrote this open letter saying, peoples, nations, languages, I want everybody to know what the Most High God has done for me. And that, that just amazes me, especially if you've looked at Daniel 1, 2, 3, and, or even history and read about Nebuchadnezzar and some of the things. He, I mean, go back to Jeremiah, I mean, the, the siege of Jerusalem. Um, Nebuchadnezzar is someone you would think that would write an open letter talking about the great things that God has done. Uh, but really that's what he does. If, if you look in just the first couple of verses here, um, of Daniel 4, he, he makes it really plain. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs, how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion endures from generation to generation. Sounds like something David would write. I mean, honestly, it sounds like a psalm. Um, doesn't sound like something a pagan king would write. In fact, if you go to the end of the chapter, so he begins to tell this story after verse 3, you know, about what happened to him. He wants to, t he wants to relate this account. But then at the end, you know, uh, of the chapter, he kind of comes back out of the story and again addresses his audience. In verse 34, he says, At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. 
Look in verse 37. I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, extol, and honor the King of heaven. For all his works are right and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So what in the world happened to Nebuchadnezzar that he would go from someone who sets up a golden image and makes everyone bow down and throws people into furnaces we go from that kind of person to the kind of person that would write these things. I mean, there were, there were obviously multiple things that happened in his life, especially his interactions with Daniel and, and Daniel's friends. You see that in the first few chapters. But he relates a specific event here in Daniel chapter 4. We're not going to read all the details of this, but I would encourage you to read it. I mean, I want you to you know, be here, turn to Daniel 4 to check me as I'm summarizing this, but it's just what he said in, chapter, in verse 37. God humbles those who walk in pride. And boy, he humbled Nebuchadnezzar. Um, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. And it bothers him. It's this dream of this great tree. Huge tree that goes up into the heavens and it spreads over the earth. Birds are living in it. The fruit, the fruit from the tree is feeding animals. Animals are finding shade underneath it. It's this great tree. And then this angel comes down and says, cut it down chop down this tree, strip off all its leaves, throw the fruit all over the earth, scatter the fruit away from the tree, leave the stump there in the ground, bound with, with these bronze and silver, or brass and silver bands around it. Leave it there. And Nebuchadnezzar is really troubled by this. He doesn't understand what's going on. So as he's wont to do, he calls all his interpreters, the Chaldeans, the magicians, all these guys, Tell me what this is. I don't know why he hasn't learned yet to go to Daniel first. He doesn't do that, right? I mean, you'd think, hey, Daniel did that. Um, but no, Daniel is last, right? It says, finally, Daniel comes in. He is called Belteshazzar after the name of Nebuchadnezzar's God, actually. And he says, all right, Daniel, I know the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Tell me what this is. And he relates it to him. And Daniel's actually troubled by this. And, you know, in verse uh, 19 of chapter 4, Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while. And his thoughts alarmed him. And Nebuchadnezzar could see it. He was so troubled by it that he could see on his face. He said, Belteshazzar, don't let these things trouble you. Tell me what, what, what this means, what's going on. And Daniel says, I wish, this was, I wish this was for your enemies. I wish what I was about to tell you was for your enemies. But... It's not. That great tree is you. I mean, again, Daniel's giving all the details here in the text, but repeating them back to Nebuchadnezzar, but he basically says, that great tree is you. And until you learn that God rules in the kingdoms of men, you're going to eat grass like an ox. You're going to have the mind of an animal. That's what this thing means. That, that stump that was left there in the grass under the dew to get wet at night and just you know, be outside in the elements, that's how you're going to live. You're going to be eating grass. You're going to be under the, dew, the, the, the sky at night. You're going to be living like an animal. And so then he gives him some advice, actually, in verse 27. And he doesn't just say, well, so much for Nebuchadnezzar. You know, you know, have a good time. Enjoy your life as an ox. And he doesn't do that. He doesn't just abandon him. He says in verse 27, King, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins. 
by practicing righteousness. And your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Right? Nebuchadnezzar, you're not in this state yet. The prophet, the dream says that this is what's going to happen to you. But the point is that he recognizes God's power, right? That's the purpose. It's even stated in the dream. He understands that God rules in the kingdoms of men. So Daniel says, hey, turn away from the sins. Turn away from this pride. Help those people. In fact, that's one of the things. Show mercy to the oppressed. That's like the only specific thing he mentions. Go find people who are oppressed. Show mercy. We don't know if he did that or not, but you know, verse, verse 29 tells us at the end of 12 months, so a year later, um, <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar, verse 30, this is, I, I do want to read this. He's walking on his roof, and he says, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? Look what I did by my might and to show my glory and my majesty. Verse 31 says, While the words were still in the king's mouth, while he's uttering this, like he was verbally saying this, walking around Look at my great city. While he's saying this, the voice comes from heaven and says, O King Nebuchadnezzar, the kingdom has departed from you. So this is where it happens. Um, verse 32, You'll be driven from among men. Your dwelling will be with the beasts in the field. You'll be, eat grass like an ox. Seven periods of time will pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. That happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He was sent out in the, first, the end of verse 33. He was driven from among men, ate grass like an ox. His body was wet with the dew, till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. That's pretty humbling. I mean, like I said, this is an example that I don't think any of us are going to personally identify with on either extreme. And we don't walk around our kingdoms noticing what we've done and how much we've built, right? And at the same time, God hasn't come down and cursed us and made us go live like an animal, not even able to take care of ourselves so that we, we don't even look human anymore. We look like eagles, feathers, and birds, claws on our hands. I mean, we can't identify with either one of those cases, right? But the truth that he states in verse 37 still does apply. Look, look again at this. Those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. He doesn't say those who have exorbitant pride. He doesn't say kings who walk in pride. He doesn't say mean people who walk in pride. He says those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Period. There's no amount of pride listed here. And that's why I think we can look at Nebuchadnezzar and start to feel really good about ourselves and say, well, you know, I don't do that. But the reason, you know, I would suggest to you the reason we don't is because we can't. You know, I'm not going to say if I had, if I was ruling over some kingdom, I would never do that. I don't know. I hope I wouldn't, but Nebuchadnezzar did. And I would suggest that the same thing, the same thing can live inside of me that was living inside of him. And that's that pride. 
So I want to look over at two, just two passages in the New Testament that talk about pride within Christians. Right? Kings, not mankind, not bad people, but within Christians. So let's look first in 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter five verse five. Peter's addressing the young, the younger, the young men, maybe, maybe, but the younger people for sure, to be subject to the elders there and where they are located. So he addresses that specific teaching, but then he, he broadens it right immediately. He says, "Clothe yourselves, all of you." This is First Peter five five. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, right? And then he goes into, again, this even broader, I think, teaching. In verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. I have to admit to you, I, I have gone over and over this verse, these two verses, just fascinated by this, because... Verse 6 seems to be addressing the desire of these Christians to be exalted. Humble yourselves so that at the proper time He may exalt you. And then He immediately says, casting your anxieties on Him. I think really what Peter is addressing here is something that's a lot more subtle than what we see in Nebuchadnezzar. Walking around saying, well, look out. I mean, we can do what Nebuchadnezzar did. I mean, I'll... I, I can do that with my career. It doesn't have to be a kingdom. It doesn't have to be a city. I can do that with my possessions. I can do that with... I mean, I, I can do that with anything that God has given me. You know, family. I can even view family incorrectly. Well, look, my family is better than that family. I mean, I, I can... My decisions are better than your decisions. Why, why aren't you living like I'm living? Well, haven't you made the same decision? I mean, we can have Nebuchadnezzar's type attitude in anything in our lives, right? But I think Peter's addressing the even more subtle pride here. These brethren wanted to be exalted among their brethren. I want you to hold me up. And that creates anxiety within me when you don't. And in fact... You don't even need to hold me up high, but you've got to hold me higher than you're holding me now. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm putting words kind of in a first century Christian's mouth. It may be in my mouth sometimes, right? Or in my brain. Peter's saying here, those, ang those anxieties you have about being exalted, throw those on God. Because He cares for you. And if you humble yourself before God, God will exalt you when it's proper. Not when you want to be exalted. In, in fact, if you keep going down, if you look in verse, verse 10, well, verse 9, resist him, speaking of the devil, we'll address that in just a second, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Peter's even suggesting, I think, that there's anxiety, and a proud type of anxiety among those who may be suffering. Why am I suffering and not them? Why am I suffering more than this person? I mean, those are real anxieties. I mean, I'm not saying that, that that's not an anxiety. It is. Why am I having such a hard time in this life and everyone else around me is not? 
I want to be exalted like that person being exalted. Maybe it's in perception, maybe it's in money, maybe it's in possessions, maybe it's in job. Whatever Peter's saying to the brethren here, those anxieties you have about what other people have, or what other people think about you, or you not being respected the way you think you should be respected, cast that on God. God's going to lift you up when you need to be lifted up. Humble yourself before Him. Now, I think in the midst of this, Peter says the devil uses that pride, that anxiety, as a tool to destroy you. Like the lion out in, the, out in Africa is looking for a weak animal that's kind of apart from the pack, and he goes after it. But when, when Satan is out looking for somebody, he's looking for this type of person. Tied up in these anxieties about not being respected or not being exalted. We don't have what we deserve. We deserve more. Satan looks at that and says, that's the one I'm going after. That's what Peter's saying here. He's prowling about like a lion, looking for somebody like that to go after. There's a similar passage, and this is the last passage we'll look at. In James chapter 4, James read these first seven verses for us. I think this is very similar to what Peter was addressing in 1 Peter 5. James is a little more direct about it. Um, and probably because he, he may be writing to a different audience. But in verse 1 he says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you don't have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You don't have because you don't ask. And you ask and don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. He's talking about this infighting among brethren, right? Well, that, he's not... I haven't read the word pride anywhere in this passage. Right? It's not there. But look at verse 6. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. My desires and wants aren't being met. Yours are, and I don't like it. So I'm going to do whatever i got to do to make things fair, to make things equalized. And if that means tearing you down or destroying you, I mean, he says murder here, right? I don't think he meant a physical killing somebody. But if you hate or you're angry with your brother, right, you can this equate it to murder. That kind of pride, I think, in, especially in this country, is just rampant. I see it in myself. Because in this country, you make yourself what you are, right? I mean, that's what's sold here. The self-made man, I think, was the phrase used some 10, 20 years ago. That was really popular. I'm a self-made man. He's a self-made man. Well, what does that mean? Right? That means I take credit for every blessing I have in my life. Right? And if you don't have the same blessings I have, well, then you just didn't work hard enough, or you didn't make the right decisions. And you really don't deserve it. I'm better than you, really. This kind of pride cannot exist in Christians, cannot exist in a church. This will destroy Christians. This will destroy a church. I think that's why Peter and James, they both quoted the exact same phrase. 
God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And what he's addressing in both instances, I believe, is the desire that we have to be exalted. There's nothing wrong with desiring to be exalted. It's who you want to be exalted by. If we want to be exalted by God, that is a great desire to have. God plans to exalt you. Paul even said, there's a crown of glory laid up for me. Paul wanted to be exalted. Jesus wanted to be exalted. He prayed in John chapter 17, Now, Father, glorify me with the glory that I had before. But he never seized it. He didn't say, I am glorious. I will glorify myself. You will respect me. He never did that. And he's God in the flesh. How can we do that? We're the created things. Really, I think the solution for these types of temptations is what Nebuchadnezzar pointed out. Um, if you want to turn back to Daniel 4, then we'll be done. Daniel 4. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar went through a lot to get it. I, I hope I don't have to go through what he went through to get it. You know, you want to learn from other people's mistakes, not, not go through the pain yourself. Um, verse 34. At, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion. And his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? If we can develop that kind of attitude in ourselves, we are not going to have a pride issue. I think, I mean, Josh was exactly right in class this morning. Solution to pride is service. And what's going to motivate you to service is your understanding of who you are before God of heaven. If we understand who we are before Him, I mean, we're just not going to arrive at another conclusion except service. That's all there is left. I mean, some passages I would recommend to you to read um, Isaiah 40. If you want to understand our place before God and who He is. Read Isaiah. I love Isaiah 40. Um, read Job 38-41 through 41, where God finally answers Job after Job's been making these charges and accusations. You know, God, God looks at Job and says, alright, pull your pants up. Answer me like a man. I'm going to ask you some questions. You tell me. Where were you when? You know, I mean, and then he just goes off. Lay the foundations of the earth. How do you feed the animals? How, how do you bring the stars about? How do you bring the dawn? We don't. And I think if we can understand that and have a, a deeper appreciation for who God is and who we are before Him, these issues of, of wanting to be exalted by people are going to go away. Because we're all created things. And God is the one who exalts Thank you for your time. I hope you'll think about some of these things and, and hopefully go to some of these passages because they help me um, when I need to keep myself in check as well. <clears throat>